As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. planet Krypton was dying. I was sent to Earth to protect my cousin. But my pod got knocked off course, and by the time I got here, my cousin had already grown up and become Superman. And so I hid my powers, until recently when an accident forced me to reveal myself to the world. To most people, I'm an assistant at CatCo Worldwide Media. But in secret, I work with my adoptive sister for the DEO to protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Almost forgot our whole title there, because we actually haven't recorded in a week or so. Um, when I'm Scott 2.0. Uh, Scott McGregor here with my illustrious co-host, the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler, once again. Hey! And this is a super special version of the show, and uh, I just recently watched the first um, season of, of Supergirl, so I'm, I'm like, uh, I will like kill your future children if you do not start talking about Supergirl with me, <laughs> Mr. Hero. Uh, uh, I'm not have any future children, but I've been very high on the Supergirl show since the, the premiere. Yeah, and uh, we, we know we got the big uh, second season coming up with, with the man o Steel showing up himself, although he's a little more like the, the Chris Rivas Steel from the previews I've seen, which is fine by me. And so, yeah, I, we're going to try to, like, plow through season one in addition to our other stuff. We're not going to make the other stuff go away. Fear not. This is just going to be, like, some extra little seasoning on that baked potato for you. So, yeah. yeah. So let's uh, kick it into Super Gear, and we're going to go right with... Now, obviously, if you haven't been watching Supergirl, if you don't know nothing about Supergirl, but you're listening to this for other things, you should be watching it. There we go. Yeah, it's a. It deserves your support. Yeah, it's a. It's a, it's a good show. It, it's it's gonna fit. Little backstory: It was on CBS for one season. They canceled it because they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, CW gloriously <laughs> picked it up, and it's probably where it belongs anyway. Um, Craig Berlanti and crew knows how to how to treat their their TV superheroes, or we wouldn't even be doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the second season and, and excited to start talking about this one. So we right. signed Mr. Hero the, the pilot episode tonight, so we'll let you get to it, sir. All right, so we are going to be uh, reviewing, well, not reviewing, we'll be covering the pilot episode of Supergirl, which debuted last fall uh, after it leaked online very early, if people remember that. 
I, uh, so let's really get I, into I this. don't know anything about sites like that. No. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I, I waited until it was on TV. I didn't watch it early. <laughs> Unlike The Flash. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's start off where uh, Supergirl story usually starts, regardless of any version of that it is other than like the Matrix Supergirl. Uh, on the planet of Krypton, Jarrell and his wife, Lara Van El, held their only son, Kal-El, uh, before putting him into his pod. And we all know that Kal-El eventually becomes Superman. They send him to Earth right before the planet explodes. But in the same uh, pod launch area, Superman's cousin, Kara Zor-El, is, uh, she's about 12 years old. And her parents are uh, Zor-El, that's Jor-El's brother, and his wife, uh, Allura, uh, are there. And they're... To need to, uh, we're sending you to Earth with your cousin so that you can watch out for, out for him. He's going to need all the help he can get. Can get all the help he can get. <laughs> so uh, they sent her off at the same time as Krypton's destruction. The rocket pod carrying baby Kal-El makes it out of the explosion just fine. However, Kara's pod, in the wake of the destruction of Krypton, gets hurtled off course and sucked into the Phantom Zone. Uh, and that is an area in this version where time doesn't pass. I believe in most versions of the Phantom Zone, time doesn't pass. So she sleeps there for over 24 years. Um, eventually, she makes it out of the Phantom Zone and crash lands on Earth. Superman wanting her to have uh, a same normal kind of human upbringing that he has has had in the past takes her to live with uh, Dr. Uh, Jeremiah and oh god Eliza Danvers and uh, played by um, <clears throat> Dean Kane and uh Oh, crap. What was the original Supergirl? Helen Slater. Helen Slater. Thank you. I'm just trying to think of her from uh, Secret of My Success, and I just couldn't think of it. Yes, yeah, so we have original Supergirl and uh, one version of Superman playing the Danvers family, which was nice. Oh, and yeah. the Danvers have a daughter named... Oh, Christ, I can't ever remember. Alex. Alex. Oh, my God. I am out of it today, man. Alex Danvers. Uh, and the... Uh, basically take Kara under their wing and Kara gets a new family and a normal style uh, human upbringing and uh, she comes to find out that at this point, Clark's doing alright for himself, he doesn't need any help she's the one who kind of needs to be looked after at this point <laughs> so we flash forward to the adult Kara who now works as a lackey for uh, Cat Grant at Catco Worldwide Media. Uh, and this is the Cat Grant that was formerly the Gossam columnist of the Daily Planet. They make no bones about that. It's a direct tie-in, uh, which was nice. Um, and Cat is kind of a uh, domineering, uh, uppity, uh, takes-no-crap boss. And Kara kind of feels like she's kind of uh, not recognized while she's there. And Kara does, of course, have a nice friend there named Winshot. He's the IT guy who's clearly very much in love with her. Uh, he's really, this <laughs> show's Jimmy Olsen, even though the Jimmy yeah. Olsen is actually in the show. And um, hey, I go by James now. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> so, um, 
Kara kind of brushes off an advance from him, as you do when you're just you're just friends. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got friend zoned like immediately. Oh yeah, Sad. immediately. <laughs> well, you know what? I, it's one thing when you're a normal twenty-something-year-old woman. It's another thing when you're a twenty-something-year-old woman who's also alien. an alien. Yeah. So I can. Uh, there might be more to it than just uh, he's a friend. You, know? you got to make I, sure I can... the man can handle you. You know, she would break wind so many different ways. It would just. Oh, I would let her break the shit out of me. <laughs> She's adorable. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, and uh, Kara actually uses her super hearing to kind of spy on uh, Kat Grant every morning. She knows when she's coming up the private elevator in the building. And, uh, yeah, why wouldn't you use those abilities to your advantage? Uh, let's see here. Um, evil, yes, I would all the time, actually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to, get a, to get ahead, I absolutely would. During the course of uh, Kara's uh, note-taking for Kat, there's some discussion about one of the uh, subsidiaries of uh, Catco's media empire. Uh, it's, it's the, the Tribune. It's yeah, one of the yeah. ones she owns. Or They're looking to try to keep the newspaper in business. And she says, well, if we had a lead story like Superman that could sell papers that would be one thing but it's you know they really don't um this, about this time when all of that heavy discussion that really doesn't factor into anything <laughs> comes yeah. comes in james olsen uh the photographer for previous photographer for the daily planet who is now a uh, very handsome uh striking tall black man yeah um, Anything can happen in this wacky DC universe. <laughs> this is a Jimmy Olsen I will be happy to watch. Yeah. Hell yeah. In perpetuity. Uh, because red-haired, uh, precocious, uh, freckle-faced Jimmy Olsen gets really tired. It, would, it wouldn't have worked on this show. I mean, you would not find no, absolutely that, that, that the comic strip Jimmy Olsen would score a job with a big... You know, he's, he's, the kind of, he's almost like Peter Parker. He's like, yeah, we'll give this annoying kid a photography job and see what he can do for well, us. Well, you know what? He's, but in every version of, of Jimmy Olsen, though, he is always a go-getter. He's, not, he's willing to put himself right in the front lines of <laughs> trying to get the story. So at least that's consistent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, James is going to be the... Um, Oh, or is he the media di- not the media director but art director I think yeah. art director something for Catco Worldwide it's a convenient enough excuse there's more to the story than that though um, and Kara gets to see the first picture that uh, Jimmy ever took of Superman and he lets on that you know uh, he actually kind of posed for that one um, well, so prize winning photographers prize Lois yeah. Um, which is nice. It, they definitely don't shy away from the fact that this was Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of right on out there. And this is a Superman and Jimmy that have been friends for at least 10 years now, yeah. like clearly. Uh, eventually, uh, also, we also find out that Kara has a blind date this night. That's why she shrugged off uh, Win earlier. And they have like an 87% matchup rating yeah, yeah. on whatever stupid dating app she's using. <laughs> so she asks her adopted sister Alex to come over and help her figure out what she's going to wear. At the same time, we find out that Alex is going to be getting on a flight for a conference in Geneva. 
Uh, long story short, they pick out a dress quickly. Kara uh, goes on the date. It's not going so well. She uses her super hearing to find out that the guy she's uh, on the date with is more interested in the waitress. Yeah. At the same time, the flight to Geneva uh, is attacked by, um, well, it is an alien. We'll get more into that uh, later. Uh, but the flight's attacked by an alien. We don't know that at first. The plane to Geneva with Alex starts to go down, and Kara decides, all right, I got to do something. So she bombs on out of the nightclub she's in and throws her coat down, and she says, I used to know how to fly, and she takes off. She saves the plane. There's a little bit of damage to her. A little Ralph Hinkley stuff there for a minute. You know, yeah, a little bit. trying to fly. Bit. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, thank Hopefully this was not the greatest American hero, though. <laughs> um, yeah. It, uh, she does save the plane. She dings up a bridge uh, a little bit, but, you know, for a rookie outing, does not a pretty bad. good job. She sets the plane down in the water. Everybody's safe. And um, after this happens, Cat's um, kind of out of the bag. Alex knows that it was her who saved uh, the bridge. Uh, the sorry, the plane uh, from crashing into the bridge, and she also confi- confides in Win that she's the girl that saved the plane. Uh, this is where uh, we also get introduced to the episode. Uh, sorry, the villain of the episode, um, who is Vartox. There's a deep DC poll that did you ever think they'd do a live action version of Vartox? I honestly had no former experience with him, so I was just like, cool, you know, alien of the week. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of those. <laughs> so um, Vartox is the one who caused the plane to have a malfunction. In a, in a hollowed-out uh, oil tanker, Vartox is on a uh, screen talking to a mysterious uh, man. Uh, I believe he's known as the Commander. They're basically talking about this mysterious girl who saved the plane. And they find out that uh, there's more to what's going on with just the plane going down and with Supergirl, uh, who's not even Supergirl yet. Um, so the commander lets it know to Vartox that uh, this girl is the child of Allura Zorel. So apparently people know that uh, Allura had a child, and they're very much assured that this is the child of Allura and um, Zorel. Oh man, I'm so out of it. <laughs> um, with uh, and so they decide to kill her, <laughs> as you do. Um, getting back to the more domestic side of things, um, Kara decides that she needs a costume, and uh, Wynn helps her make her a costume. They do a couple different variations on it. One of it's the very skimpy Supergirl costume from I can't even remember when. It's like the hot pants and like the the belly shirt one. Yeah, I don't even the, remember. Yeah, not even with the mini skirt. Which era that was? And she's just like, I'm not wearing that. The poor girl uh, would have to like do a Brazilian wax before she ever, you know, went superheroing every time. Superheroes that don't one. have pubes, Scott. Oh, okay, I did not know that. They're like Barbie and Ken and stuff down there. No, they just don't have pubes. Oh, okay. <laughs> they don't have to. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just. This is just a guess. It would be real tricky the way Kryptonians have to shave to, to be able to do a stuff down. Well, she could just super speed tweeze them out, right? Right. I, you know, I don't even know how real women do that stuff and not. Very careful. Time, so. <laughs> okay. I'm not even gonna. Uh, so um, theorize on how a Kryptonian handle it. <laughs> yeah. That's the one that makes the most sense to me. Super speed tweezing. Sure. You know? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, think about it. If you're a Superman, you got a beard, right? He's got super agility, super dexterity, and super strength. So he could just super speed pinch, like, every little bit of stubble that he has out, right? I, you know, I'd rather do it that way. Imagine the, the wax you'd have to use to, to, to do a Brazilian on a, on a Kryptonian. That's got to hurt. Kryptonite. That's got to hurt. Killer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which, Yeah. We don't want to do superhero pubes here on weekly heroics kids can't get it anywhere happens. else <laughs> hey it's all good uh, okay so uh Kara decides she's gonna go out and do some more super heroic heroing superheroing she's as she's out trying to uh you know get a feel for everything um she gets uh, tagged by a kryptonite dart. We find out that she's tagged by the Department of Extra Normal Operations. The Department of Extra Normal Operations is run by Hank Henshaw. Uh, he's the organization's director. And we also find out that Alex actually works for the DEO. Mm-hmm. And this is all big news to Supergirl. And uh, because of when Supergirl came to Earth, the other thing that was in the Phantom Zone stuck with her, came with it. It was uh, Fort Ross. It's a giant Kryptonian prison housing a lot of the galaxy's most disgusting criminal vermin. Uh, so the DEO monitors extraterrestrial threats on Earth. And uh, we find out that Kara's not too happy about finding out that Alex is uh, working for them, um, you know, because Kara's an alien too, so. Yeah, what are you going to do? Sisters. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Um, Kara's not, not too happy. What's that? The Hank's not too happy that Kara came out of the closet, as it were. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I mean, look, there's already a Superman on Earth, and they get more into it later in the show, but not everybody likes Superman. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it was a nice little throwaway line almost that he's like, you know, said a little later that not everyone thinks your dude's a hero. They're just too afraid to say it. Yeah, and that's it makes sense. Um, so uh, Kara's not too pleased at this point. Uh, going back to her job, Catco Catgrant has already decided to dub this new uh, superhero Supergirl. Kara's not thrilled about that. She thinks it's uh, demeaning and diminishing. And Cat makes a very feminist argument about how it's uh, empowerful and blah 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 blah. Not that I'm blah 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 blahing the feminism. I'm just saying her logic for saying why Supergirl's a good name and that's what they're running with. It's pretty sound. Due to this little outburst that she has, Cat's uh, about to fire Kara. You, you, you don't you don't speak to to Cat Grant. Um, James uh, Olsen comes in though with a clear picture of Supergirl that they haven't been able to get yet and said that it was Kara's connection at a bank that allowed them to get the photo, so he just saved her ass and her job. Uh, leaving the office, Kara tells James that she doesn't actually need anyone fighting her battles for her, um, but at that same moment, um, Vartox uses a uh, super high uh, hertz broadcast telling her to meet him at the National City Power Plant. She arrives at the power plant, uh, and she is, uh, they do have a scuffle, but she is defeated. And uh, before she gets killed, Kara and the DEO uh, come in on some helicopters. Uh, Vartox escapes, 
and they take her back to the DEO base and there's a piece of metal from uh, the axe that Vartox has been wielding stuck in her arm. They analyze the metal in the axe and they figure out that there might be some way to stop Vartox and Carrot says, hey, let me help, you know, I, I can do this. They, the DEO has not been uh, too kind to her, but eventually they relent and uh, she goes off to handle Vartox. He's about to head into National City to kill some humans. And uh, so as he's racing into National City in his truck, Kara does a full-on, uh, you, you know, I'm going to stand right in front of the truck. And uh, it's a great scene, yeah. actually. He stands right in front of the truck. The truck hits her dead stop and you see the shockwave ripple through and Vartox goes flying out of the window um, it's a really really neat effect they don't actually skimp on the super heroic uh, no. effects on the, on the show on this it's uh, it's very nice uh, so they finally have a, uh, a scuffle after uh, the <laughs> roadside collision that she forces and um, they figure out from the metal in his axe that if she superheats it it's going to explode so he waits for her. Uh, they have a fight. She lures him in. As soon as uh, he's about to brain her with the axe, she grabs it and she heat visions the shit out of it and it explodes, causing him to recoil backwards. She's fine, um, but Fartox isn't going to be taken in. So he takes the shards of his broken axe and stabs himself in the chest. And uh, that's the end of our talks. Um, <laughs> the following day at work, uh, Kara is again greeted by Wynn, who had read about her fight with Vartox, and uh, Kara promises to tell him all about it at their next crime-fighting meetup. She decides to ask James to go to lunch, and he tells her that she must be hungry as fighting Vartox must have burnt a lot of calories. And um, he asks to see her up on the roof. Up on the roof, he reveals to Kara that Superman asked her to asked him to come to National City as Superman had asked him to come there to keep an eye on Kara. Uh, realizing that her cousin had wanted her to become a hero, Kara uh, is confused to, as to why Kal-El or Clark just didn't ask himself. And James tells her that Superman wanted her to choose it for herself the same way that he had to. And that's what makes somebody a hero. Also, they would have had to hire an actor for that. So. <laughs> well, they did eventually. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> the show is called Supergirl, not Superman. Man, so I can understand that. Absolutely. Everybody that got pissy about that, it's like the show's called Supergirl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, James actually gives Kara the uh, baby blanket that Kal-El was wrapped in, in the pod that he was in, and uh, that Jimmy had been entrusted to give it to Kara for her to use as a cape. She tried some other capes, and they kind of burnt and got uh, destroyed. So now she's got a cape that's not going to get ruined. In our little stinger for the episode, the gentleman known as the commander who was speaking to Vartox earlier meets with a character named the General, who gives him orders to find and kill Kara, as no one can interfere with their plans. Not even Kara, who was the General's niece. Dun, dun, dun. Family drama. I know I kind of meandered all over that, uh, but it is a pilot. It's a pretty straightforward one. Um, just uh, watching it the first time, I said this is a nice little introduction. There's a little bit of... There's a lot of, oh, I'm not Superman angst, or, you know, I, I'm there's a little bit of shadow that. type it, stuff, and I don't need him to help me. There's, you know. Yeah, and there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of romance in it, too. Like, that's every show that you get now. There's going to yeah. be a love triangle or some forced romance. It's just what it is. Um, and that's not, you know, the main thrust of the show. 
uh, but the, I mean the the, the superhero origininess of it uh, yeah. does it pretty well. Um, we everybody already knows who Superman is. I mean, he, he'd have to live in an area without any sort of electricity or access to media to not yeah. know who Superman is. So they don't have to be <laughs> in the head with that. Um, and they do present to you Kara on her own, trying to do what she needs to do. Um, and they just it does what any pilot should do it just introduces you to the characters the basic premise of the show and it does give you that little stinger of all right alex had a secret from kara and now there's also another secret that nobody's aware of the fact that there's some sort of faction out there that knows who kara is and knows that and is related to kara and there's more going on um yeah so uh, what did you think I mean, I, I watched this, I think, when I, about when it first came out, and, and I didn't watch the rest of it after that for some reason, because I really was, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I mean, I've, I'll have to give props to, to Bob Fisher for, he was raving about it when it first came out, and he's always on Facebook, and I know he's like old school Silver Age Superman fan, um, or, or even farther back, no offense, Bob. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, yeah, it just had the right vibe. And I think the way they handled Superman was about the only way they could go for this. Um, I actually have some trepidation about them actually having Superman. You know, I, as you said, I, you don't want it to overshadow her, but you couldn't just have a Supergirl show without acknowledging him, you know? No, you really can't. The, the, the two of them are tied. Yeah. Um, and so... I think they handled it really well. Obviously, it's going to get into the logic problems of... But, I mean, with Superman, even less so than, like, the Marvel characters and stuff in those shows, you can justify Superman being a galaxy away and not being able to help or something. You know, yeah. it's not so easy when you know Tony Stark lives down on Fifth Avenue or whatever. <laughs> That's true. Um, and, you know, he's not showing up to help Luke Cage, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, just had... And, I, as I said, there, there were, like, so many little nods out to let's be real to the Reeve Superman in this including yeah. the whole I'm talking to you on a higher frequency thing yeah saving a plane yeah I mean it was just uh, you know it was they're trying to grab that younger audience obviously but they know us 78 Superman fans are out there and they <laughs> they play you know what's funny too. the pilot episode actually I think skews slightly older um, yeah. in some of the uh, dialogue and discussion it has and it's actually something I think you see recede as the show goes on I think it does actually become more all ages yeah. a few episodes in um, but I appreciate the fact that it actually does go further into that route this is the thing um, if you go back in the Two True Freaks archives from a couple of years ago about the time that that uh, Wonder Woman pilot got um leaked out yeah. you know you could rent it or whatever it was for or it just got leaked we all sat around and watched it and we had a discussion on it and my big thing with that was that was not a show that you could show to an 8 to 16 year old girl mm -hmm. and ostensibly Wonder Woman is a female role model right yeah. she's a role model in general but that was not a Wonder Woman that you could conceivably show to any child and have it be all ages viewing or even children's viewing and there's nothing wrong with having shows for kids this is a show that after this initial bumpiness of some of the more adult dialogue in it it's a show that is 
a good show for all ages audiences with a powerful female character as a role model who does the right thing who doesn't have uh, the Wonder Woman pilot she talks about having perfect tits I'm like and it's like I never even watched the whole thing all the way through yeah and it was like this no this is so incredibly wrong this is Wonder Woman talking about herself in the show yeah yeah you can't do that. It, you can have the strong character. You can have her be feminine. You can have her have a romance, and you can have her be strong as well without it being something that you just you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to watch with your daughter if you had one or, or or your son. Like I wouldn't. I don't have kids, but there's no way in hell I'd watch, let an eight year old kid watch that Wonder Woman pilot. Yeah. I'd let an eight nine year old kid watch the Supergirl pilot. Yeah, um, because it's. <sighs> It does feel when it when it sticks to the comic bookiness of it, it is definitely more rooted in uh, slightly more Silver Age Superman stuff. Which I mean, that's I, I like a lot of the Silver Age stuff, and I think a lot of other people do too. Clearly, the people on the show. I mean, we haven't gotten to it yet, but I mean, eventually there's a detour to the Fortress of Solitude and yeah. some other stuff too. Uh, it's the pilot really worked for me. I was very pleased by it, and I th- my appreciation for the show actually gets better as the show goes on once it finally decides to dial in on exactly what what it wants to be yeah. it doesn't want to be 90210 it doesn't want to be uh dawson's creek by the time it settles down into what it wants to be it wants to be a straight up <laughs> adventure superhero show every week that's why my only other fear for the second season is it, it gets CW soaked up a little bit more. There's our, uh, but the groundwork was already laid here. It, it felt like a CW show, and not in any bad way. But, I mean, they had those interludes of, you know, of, yeah, that stuff. You know, the well, yeah, stuff I mean, interpersonal There's no way in hell a 24-year-old assistant is going to be able to afford the apartment she has. But that's <laughs> yeah, just a staple of TV. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. I'm not watching for that. It's it's fantasy. I'm watching for the story. Well, you know, her parents probably had some cash. All right. You know, he was like a major scientist. They probably had some patents out there. Is so. there a lot of money in science? If you grab the right patents, you know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, he must have been because actually Dean K looked pretty plump as uh, yeah. Jeremiah, so yeah. he must have been well fed. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, but it's it it did it definitely did enough to where I was like, you know what, I'm t- t- tuning in every week. I, I did some of the dialogue. Oh God, you're a lesbian, and I like some of the sistery stuff. It was like, all right, I get it. Yeah, it's just some hard. of that stuff didn't play for me, and thankfully, like after this pilot episode, most of that goes away. Yeah, yeah. There's still moments. I the thing I. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I really enjoyed the Cat Grant arc in this season. Yes, she's Cat Grant not, is a total. She's a complete bitch. evil monster in like the first. But, but you can she's they write it very deftly, and that you see the cracks starting, yeah. and she starts to get closer to Kara, and it really is a, a very well written part. It's it they've made it's it clearly going to be a mentor mentee relationship, but it's such a strained one at the beginning. Yeah, um, and. Uh, and my fiance hates Callista Flockhart. I never really gave her much thought until this show, but I mean, yeah, she absolutely like hates her, and, and she watched. Um, All I know is I'm really she wasn't going to watch the show. Like Harrison Ford. Yeah, that was a, that was a good one. Um, she doesn't date older men, um, <laughs> but uh, she wasn't going to watch it because it had Callista Flockhart in it. Over this past weekend, because I knew we were going to be covered, I was like, look, I gotta I gotta rewatch some of these anyway for the show. Yep. 
want you to at least watch the pilot with me. And she sat down, she watched the pilot. She's like, that was really good. And six hours later, she was through like seven episodes. Yeah. So it's, um, it, it tells you, um, she likes most of the other superhero shows too, but she was actually really surprised by how much uh, she actually liked this. And I think, I think if more people had actually given it a chance, I don't, it, I'm sure there's going to be a contingent of uh, men or little boys out there going to be like, eh, Supergirl, I'm not going to watch it. I'm like, whatever, you're, you're lame. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's another superhero show with a budget and you're not watching it. It's like, at least give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, totally. And uh, like I said, you know, that, that was in my head when I went to watch it too. I'm like, am I even going to relate to this? And I know knew they were going to, very feminist show and I'm all for feminism. And But obviously I wasn't born with that equipment, so I don't really relate to a lot of things women go on, you know, go on with women. So, I mean... Uh, but I mean, yeah, some of it is specifically woman, but that's, most of it is, you know, just family in general and feeling like an outsider. Yeah, it's, yeah and it's it's not, a, you know, it's not oppressive at all there. Uh, you know, what is it, the men's rights advocates people or whatever, idiots, assholes. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's an all audience show, totally. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, anytime I think you put that S shield on anything, you kind of have to make it as all audience as possible anyway um just in general well that's i think that's a good call especially if you're into like you're saying the the wonder one pilot how much better would that have gone if they would have shot for the more iconic version of her and you know the more idealistic version of her yeah well i mean i understand not wanting to put her in like the the silk bikini or whatever it's like that's fine and in right. the, the wonder woman pilot they gave her a couple different outfits mm-hmm. i get it um but the character itself was not wonder woman yeah, yeah. well that's why I, I that's why i had no interest in it even if it was going to become a series because that's what i'd read basically is like wonder woman is ally mcbeal like what what, what? Uh, <laughs> no <laughs> wrong <laughs> I, that's, and I know it's I people, and I know it's a, a more difficult character to try to introduce people to, but people clearly didn't seem to have a problem with the Wonder Woman that was out in the seventies because the show was on for a couple of years and people liked it. Right, and, I, and now with we've been inundated with so much comic book stuff and genre stuff in general, whatever origin they tell for this Wonder Woman movie, whether she's made from clay or whether it was the rape of Hippolyta or whatever one it is, is it really going to be that far fetched for people? I mean. They're willing to now watch, you know. The Snyder wrote part of it. It will be rape, probably. <laughs> Did Snyder? Write? Yeah, he wrote, he's got a writing credit on. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's part of. You can tell that version if you want to, but you can also tell the version with the making her out of the out of clay. If they go with that, make her building her out of clay on the beach. Why not? <laughs> more props to you. But I'm sure we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I just had Suicide I, Squad with all that the Super Sorceress in it, so I mean, it's not like it'd be like, oh, this is too far out of the realm of logic, you know? Yeah, well, uh, what's not out of the realm of logic is the fact that this is a, a very good show. Uh, it's not the greatest superhero show. It, it hasn't been on long enough to, to be that. Right. Uh, but the pilot, if you haven't given it a shot yet, I know my meandering mess of a synopsis probably wouldn't convince you. Don't take the synopsis's word for it. At least watch the first episode. If you feel like after the first episode you're on the fence, I'd urge you to give it, you know, another one or two because they do start pulling in 
more continuity and hey, more superhero. We get a pull-on close-up of pulling the shirt open to see the ass. Yep, they do shirt rips on this. That, that and the flying me. effects it's are like, great. Yeah, that's what I need in my life right now. Yep. Yep, so smurfly. Um, and yeah, the effects were... Uh, the whole season, the effects... I hope CW, it doesn't take too much of a hit uh, as far as in the effects department because I was really impressed with, with what they did in this. Um, it didn't look... You know, it, it stood up to some movie effects, in my opinion. I mean, you're doing, like, flight fights and stuff like that. It's, uh, it can't be easy, can't be cheap, but they, they pulled it all off, man. And her hitting that truck was just, like, a perfect super person moment, you know? Oh, yeah. And it was just, The yeah. Thing's done it, Hellboy's done it, Luke Cage has done it. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. So, yeah, definitely. As I said, I don't know why I didn't jump back into it right after I watched the first one. I, I knew it was on my to-do list, and then once I started, I binged it pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now it's on glorious Netflix, so I get to watch it on my big screen uh, for these recaps. So that's a good thing. Now I'll show you what I already know. As one tiny spark becomes a night of blazing suspense. There is fire... There is smoke. Burn it down! Burn it down! Dick, you're fired! Thank you. Play Hey, Johnny! I didn't know you could ignite parts of your body. Now, to do the job, I need some high octane gasoline. Burn, baby! Burn! Ray Shields. Fire! What would you like to do in the whole world? Burn it all. Your world will burn. Come on, let's burn them all. Go, go. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Third Degree Burn, a podcast looking at all things John Byrne. Available at tutufreaks.com. What a hothead. Right, and we're giving you two for one in this. Uh, instead of like, Yeah, we're breaking our, our code a little bit, and we're going to do probably two Supergirls on every Supergirl-type episode to try to plow through it. So we'll get right into episode two called Stronger Together. Uh, it opens with a Supergirl voiceover, um, as we're all used to in these superhero shows. Uh, we're a week after she has revealed herself. Uh, she's being tested by Henshaw and her sister Alex with various implements of destruction, and of course, Tara rocks it. Car feels like Hank is being a little too hard on her, and we get kind of a like, oh, are you saying that just because I'm a woman? And he's like, no, because you're an alien uh, type joke. Yeah. Which, you know, he's, he's still bigoted in a way. Hank, come on, get over that. Uh, Alex defends him a little bit and says, hey, you know, he's he's just trying to look out for you and do the best, you know, to keep you safe. She gets an alert from a win about a huge fire at the docks, and she decides it's a job for Supergirl. And, and as cheesy as that is, you would think for a character to say it works. You know, it still feels a little cheesy, but then you just kind of like you 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 relish that cheese and you devour it and you take another piece and it just is delicious. Anywho, it's uh, the fire is near a ship that's holding some very explosive oil, and Kara tries to freeze breath for the first time, presumably, but only makes it worse. She ain't quite got that down yet. Yeah. So she tries to move the ship away from the fire instead. 
Uh, and then the, the firefighters are kind of funny. It's like, come on, Superman would have handled this by now, which I thought was a little lame to them, but, you know, and, and kind of added to her angst about it, but that plays out later, too. You put that S on, you get a invite comparison. Uh-huh, absolutely. Um, and so she, she moves the ship away from the fire, and not knowing her own strength yet either, she breaks the boat and causes a massive oil spill in the bay. So, heard happily, my Parks and Recreation peeps will know who I'm talking about there, uh, is on TV doing the whole hero or menace thing. And we get to meet uh, Max Lord briefly in a TV interview, too. And he's clearly anti-super people. Says something to the effect of, like, we don't want our, we don't want, you know, Metropolis's problems here, i.e. it probably getting blown up a lot. Cat uh, Grant calls a meeting and is uh, pressing her team to get more info on the new super person and an interview with the girl of steel while she's also lamenting her mistakes. Cat is uh, clearly competitive with the Daily Planet and apparently is not the biggest fan of Lois Lane. Kara worries about Cat recognizing her if she does the interview and we, we get a little explanation from James about why the flimsy disguises work. So it was kind of a little cool exposition, you know, for, for those perpetual doubters about if Clark could get away with uh, you know, it, it just not being noticed <laughs> by taking his or putting glasses on. It's the one give you have to give Superman and Supergirl. It, it just is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. James says some inspiring stuff, and Kara's confidence is a little better, but we can also tell there's a lot of chemistry between them. Uh, cut to villain time. A security guard is confronting a very bouncy predator-ish... Blade 2 actually came to mind when I saw this alien. Yeah. She Blade 2. Hellermite. Yeah. The DEO is uh, investigating the aftermath, and Hank is being kind of a dick about the oil spill, Kara. Due to all the chemicals there, they think the alien is, is gathering stuff for a bomb. Flashback to Krypton, finally, and Kara is asking her mom about her job as an adjudicator and presumably talking about our alien of the week, and then she goes to her little... Kryptonian internet and does some research on him. Crypto Google. Kara relates this to the team in the present day and they do some science and talk and, you know, bring up the uh, files and all that good stuff. Alex takes Kara into training, punches her right in the face. <laughs> the training room has some kryptonite fluorescent lights that uh, weakens Kara so the two ladies can fight each other. Alex is obviously a hand-to-hand badass, and she basically schools Kara, who is uh, just relying on kind of her brute strength, which she doesn't have at the, at the moment. Back at Grant Media, Kara sees the story of uh, Cat is running, which is kind of negative. Uh, we get a little feminism speech from Cat about Supergirl needing to up her game because we're expected to do things twice as well as every man, which is still unfortunately true. We get, uh, not for me, but society as a whole, so no angry letters, ladies. There's no ladies listening to us. <laughs> no, there's nobody listening. <laughs> we get some backstory about Kat and find out uh, she used to work for Perry White. She grabs Wynn and James uh, to vent, and uh, neither knows that the other knows yet until she swoops in. She's recruiting her super team, and there's obviously a little macho competition going on between the two men, which Wynn completely loses when he admits later that he, he's got mad sewing skills. <laughs> pretty much turned in his man card for all time to James right there. Uh, 
the alien is confronted by two Kryptonians and the general, uh, Kara's aunt, and she tells the alien that he's going to be used as bait to get Kara. Wynn and James are dispatching Kara to various emergencies around town with a uh, Pat Benatar music bed, and her image in the press is improving. We even get the classic cat in a tree rescue, uh, except Fluffy is actually a reptile this time. Which was awesome. Yeah, completely. You know, more, more Reeves love there. <laughs> This little girl didn't get slapped, though. <laughs> no, no, you can't. That, that, you know, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> can't abuse children in movies or. Oh, a, so one slap's like not abuse. Uh, somebody would get their friggin' knickers in a knot about it. Uh, Especially if you let the snake out, you deserve a dope slap for that. Well, Don't yeah, let the snake out. Alex shows up, isn't happy that more people know who she is, and we get some memories of Flash. And I, I noted memories of Flash here, and, and I just, the reason I put that, I think, was that uh, eventually pretty much everyone, you know, like a good dozen people by the end of this series knows who Supergirl is. You know, quite like the Flash, <laughs> kind of a running joke in the Flash that everyone in Central City knew who he was except Iris for a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, you you got to have your super team in, in these these shows. It's the only way that it makes sense. It makes more sense than just fooling everybody without having your glasses on. Um, I guess. Yeah, and it's. I mean, nowadays it would be so hard to keep a secret identity anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, I don't have that much of a problem with with her telling several people, but um, it usually doesn't always end well for the people she, you know they've told. The old trope of you know that's why you have a secret identity is is played out in some of these shows. Yeah. More sister talk between Kara and Alex, and Alex is summoned back to the DEO, and Hank gives her the update on the Helgramite, and they figure out that the alien isn't looking to make a bomb, he's actually eating the chemicals that he's finding, because yummy, yummy, yummy. They use this knowledge to devise a little trap for it, and essentially they're going to roll out a, a nice banquet for him. Cat essentially tells James uh, to get her that interview or go back to work at the planet. Get my interview or you're fired. The DEO is springing the trap and alien attacks, killing a whole shit ton of DEO, uh, killing a whole shit ton of DEO agents, and wounding and kidnapping Alex. Uh, Astra swoops in and takes possession of her from, from the Helgramite. Um, a little Do running. Know who Astra is yet? I yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Well, we we do, but we I, do, yes. Yeah, but I don't think no. She doesn't find out till later this episode that oh. she exists. Um. Yeah, remember Alex actually thinks it's it's Alora because she's seen her hologram and, and they're twins, so she doesn't know anything about Astra. Uh, just, just a little piece about the DEO agents. Uh, it, it almost seemed to be a running theme theme throughout this this series uh, that I want to rant about before I forget about it later. But that uh, they really need to step up their game. There's like an obscene number of random DEO agents killed in the show. <laughs> <laughs> They're really not very good at their job without a super person helping them out. They're going after these Kryptonians with like regular bullets and shit and it's just like it gets a little silly after a while. <laughs> a lot of casualties. Just not, a, not a good good ratio of kill ratio <laughs> for that crew. Kara agrees to do the interview to save James's job because she was super eavesdropping again. 
And we get back some uh, some backstory on James. He feels like he's only had success because of who he knows, and, and now he's worried it's happening again with Cat. You know, because basically she like played the Superman card on him, and it's like, why haven't you got me this yet? You know these people. We get some Kryptonian memories from Kara, and she encourages and comforts James. Henshaw calls with the news about Alex, and she's pissed at Hank for keeping her out of the loop. Um, probably rightfully so. Kara goes looking for her sister using her super senses to great effect. Alex is hurt and bleeding, and Astra is being a jerk about it. Um, she thinks Astra is Allura, as I said earlier, but is quickly corrected, and we find out that Astra thinks she's going to save humans instead of killing them, but Alex isn't buying it. Kara falls into the trap and is horrified to see her aunt as the villain. Exposition time. Apparently, Kara didn't know that her mom had sent her aunt to Fort Roz. Astra tries to get her to join the cause, but Kara is resolute and a supervision standoff starts. Which is pretty cool. Very cool fight between Kara and Astra. The, the, super, the heat vision on this is great. Yeah, yeah. The alien shows up to rough up, kill Alex, uh, slash kill Alex, and she needs him in the balls because apparently all aliens have balls. Um, which is something I did not know till this show. <laughs> so I'm, I'm filing that one away for the invasion. <laughs> Me- meanwhile, an awesome super brawl ensues, and Astra is getting the better of Supergirl until she goes all Daniel-san and remembers her training. Hank shows up in the nick of time with a kryptonite dagger and saves the day, but Astra escapes. Back at the base, Alex is healing. Kara wants more uh, Mr. Miyagi from her, and we get some uh, more Krypton memories and sisterly love. Aww. Uh. Alex has a surprise for Kara as she has set up a room of solitude for her, <laughs> where she can go talk to a hologram of her mother, Marlon Brando style. Yes. Yes. Alex leaves a teary-eyed Kara, and she asks ghost mom about her aunt. Hank slips and calls her Supergirl, Alex, and promises. You know, Alex promises not to let her know that she called that he called her that. And as he's walking away, his eyes mysteriously glow red. What? And foreshadowing something's Can't amiss. They brought the cyborg Superman into this. Yeah. I mean, somebody else. <laughs> he's a Terminator, I'm sure. Astra is getting the knife pulled out of her, and the Kryptonians discover that the humans do have a tool to hurt them with, even though they keep firing regular bullets at them. Whatever. The last scene is uh, Cat in the process of firing James on the phone until Kara takes her car for a rooftop ride, and the interview begins. That's where we leave it. Good, good second episode. I mean, yeah, it's a good follow-up. Uh, it's really like a, it is pretty much a direct continuation. You know, you could add these the same night as the pilot. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, good alien of the week, and we get that for a while. And it's a necessary evil, but uh, kick, kick ass like an alien. Said Blade Two came immediately to mind with that yeah. whole vagina thing, face, whatever. I don't know. Scary stuff, though. Not that vaginas are scary. I actually, quite yeah, the Helgravites like, another deep pull from the comics yeah. too it's like jesus yeah. yeah you're gonna be better at spotting those than i am to be sure but yeah they, I, that's what i've always loved about the, the, the tv dc shows man is that they just have no shame at, at using everything at their their beck and call and it's great and it's and you can still even someone who doesn't know anything about the comics still a great villain but oh yeah you know people that know a little bit more get those easter egg warm and fuzzies and everybody's happy <laughs> oh yeah so 
yeah, another solid episode. It's a great video, or a great villain, great special effects again, and then moving the story along. Get a little Krypton stuff, and obviously that's going to be the long game with Aunt Astra and, and the Kryptonians, or basically kind of just doing the the, the master supervillain thing and and dispatching these various aliens to to try to get to Kara before they have to confront her themselves and. Uh, but they didn't waste any time in getting to that confrontation either, and it was just a really great fight between Astra and, and Kara, and just kick-ass special effects all the way through. Not much more to say, really, about this episode, but, um, yeah, there, I said once, once I decided to start watching again, and the cliffhanger this one had was just like, yeah, gotta keep going. God bless the, the binge-watching age that we have here, and you can do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if my nerves would survive weekly television anymore. I was just... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the three or four shows I have to, I've been twitching to watch that are on tonight, and flashes back tonight when this is recorded. Uh, although I think we're going to release this one soon after we wrap on it. So you all be hearing this this week, because might as well get it out there. And I guess that's about it, Mr. Hero. Anything more to say about uh, it? Not that I can think of. It really is a pretty pretty good one-two punch to, to start with, you know. Um, sets up just a, just about everything and <laughs> lays out what the, the paradigm for the show is going to be. And uh, they tease you with that little bit of what's going on with her family. And in the second episode, if you weren't ready to watch and see what's going to happen next, all right family is still alive and it's not friendly. They've got some really adept writers on this and I hope they're transferring over to the CW with the show because uh, I don't know it's, it's a very dense episode there's a lot in it but it's it doesn't feel like it and, and they do it within 42 minutes and but we got yeah. a lot of exposition a lot of backstory and and moved the plot along and got some great couple great fights and some soul searching from Kara and her first mistakes and man it was just a lot in this episode that's, oh, yeah. that's the way I like it yeah well, I mean when I finished the season I was just like wow it was just a lot to process they, they really you know we, we've got various other heroes from DC Comics showing up maybe in the next few episodes and um, heroes who may be villains and, and just all kinds of good fun stuff so yeah if you're not watching catch up on it man because it's 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 worth it it's a fun enough ride that it'll it'll keep you wanting to watch all right that's our super special for super special if you're daffy duck uh version of weekly heroics this week <laughs> <laughs> and uh i just soaked my microphone you're despicable despicable and uh, so we'll be doing this again as long as we stay motivated. Uh, like I said we're, the other stuff ain't going to go away. We're going to be feeding that in weekly too. And maybe if we get ambitious enough, you'll have two of these episodes a week. Mike Zumo, who already has 25 podcasts to listen to. Ha ha, you got more. Um, <laughs> we'll be dragging your ass on this show here soon too. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're about to record another uh, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. slash Flash for you, so for Weekly Heroics, bye now. It's time for some thrilling heroics, a brand new podcast on 2TrueFreaks.com. Keep flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to do the impossible, cover every episode of Joss Whedon's science fiction space opera western, and that makes us mighty. We found as fine a crew as ever populated the podcasting verse. I told them I had a job. They said yes. Didn't much care what it was. 
So join me, Andrew Leyland. I fought for the independence. May have been the losing side. Not so sure it was the wrong one. I'm joined by a man too pretty to die, Mr. Paul Spataro. And last, but by no means least, a man with a mighty fine hat, Shepherd Bill Robinson. So join us on 223freaks.com for Keep Flying, a Firefly podcast. We aim to misbehave. <laughs>